Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 300 of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you for making it this far with me. If you enjoy this podcast, well, let me know on Twitter, let me know in the comments section on YouTube, and give good reviews on iTunes. Otherwise, this may be the last episode. 300 hands is a lot. If you want more from me, make sure you sign up to my training site, pokercoaching.com. There we have a lot of interactive quizzes where instead of me telling you what I would do in these scenarios, I make you tell me what you would do And then I, along with my other coaches there, give comments on all the various possible options. So it's like, well, a training site as opposed to a, um, you know, passive sit back and watch poker site. So anyway, we're still playing this 5, 10, 25 game. There is a $50 straddle as far as I know. And Zach raises it up with pocket tens under the gun plus one, which is a perfectly fine play. He's playing 9,400 deep and... um, that's, a, that's effectively about 200 big blinds. And then George, you all remember George, right? He's three bet so far with a 5-2 offsuit. He's three bet with Jack-5 offsuit. And now he wakes up with Ace-4, premium hand. That is way better than either of those. So he's going to put in the three bet to 800 bucks under the gun plus two. Steve actually gets pocket sevens and the hijack seat. And if he was a little bit shorter, like say he had $4,000, I actually think going all in would probably be the right play. With 6,000, it gets a little bit dicey because if you do jam, you're risking a lot to win relatively little, and you know both opponents are going to call off pretty well. To be fair, if he did jam, 6,000, 10s probably would fold, and the ace forward fold, but notice that's not a fantastic success, right? I mean, it's fine, don't get me wrong, but if you do happen to run into aces, kings, queens, ace, king, they're always going to call. Um, if he was shorter, though, I think it would be fine to get it in. Anyway, he does fold. I don't think he needs to three bet to like 2,000 because then you're going to get called a lot by George, which is not really what you want because whatever he has has some equity. And now the action moves very quickly. Back around to Zach. He elects to call. And I think calling is actually fine because if you do re-raise here and get jammed on, you're also not particularly loving it, but you really can't fold. And this is a tough spot because I'm not sure if you actually just want to get it in for 200 big blinds against George. George is pretty maniacal, and George just does not fold to re-raises, as far as I can tell. So maybe this is a spot where you just re-raise him back. He made it 800, make it 2,300, and just get called every time, knowing that you have the best hand most of the time. And then go post-flop. I think that actually is certainly feasible, but I think calling's fine too, especially if you can navigate post-flop well. So he does call. Flop comes. I believe it was king, queen, four. Like I said, it goes very fast. We have to reconstruct this action. Um, yeah, so king, queen, four. Pocket tens checked. Ace four bet 300 into the $1,600 pot. And then pocket tens elects to call. A lot of people look at this flop and say, oh man, king, queen, four. Why would the pocket tens call? Well, remember... We're playing against a very loose, very aggressive player who could have literally anything. I mean, he could have the king three, he could have the queen three, he could have the jack three, and the ten three, and the nine three. So, you really just can't fold tens to a small bet in this scenario. Turns of four, giving George trips. That's good for him. Zach checks his pocket tens, and George now bets 1500 into the $1,900 pot. I think that's great. This is a bet size that is going to get called the majority of the time. He has been using overbets in the past. So while 1500 is a nice sizable bet into the $1,900 pot, you have to ask, what does Zach probably have in this scenario? Well, 
His range should actually be pretty wide, but if he does have a king or a queen, say he had ace, queen, and floated, or queen, jack of clubs, and turned to queen, right? He's probably not going to fold to any bet, given the way George has legitimately been blasting it. You don't see many people blasting it as hard as George is blasting it. And it's already become clear from about four episodes ago of Weekly Poker Hand that Zach is essentially trying to set George up to run big bluffs. So, knowing that, this is a situation where... Um, I, I don't really know if Zach can fold, but it is a pretty bad spot because if you think of the obvious bluffing hands, they are ace-x, king-x, queen-x, jack-x, right? Those seem to be the ones that um, George likes. That said, I mean, maybe any two cards is good enough. So it's a tough scenario. If your opponent's... The problem is, is that a lot of people look at this and say, well, George could have any two cards, so Jack's is probably good. Or Tens is probably good. While that is true that he could have any two cards, he's not playing literally every hand. He's playing all the best hands and then a smattering of the weak hands some portion of the time. Um, his some portion of time just happens to be way more than most people uh, to the point that I think tens is probably okay to call 1500 here, but you definitely don't love it. So uh, the graphics are slightly wrong here. It did come king, queen, four, four. And so it doesn't matter all that much, but it certainly is relevant enough. So River is a nine. Zach checks, and now George goes for his patented overbet $5,000 into the $2,200 pot. And I actually kind of like this because he really doesn't have to, I mean, he could be against the Jack 10. That is possible, right? Remember, the, the board was slightly different. Apologize for the graphics here. This hand went very quickly. <laughs> the hand went very quickly. Somehow there's uh, $12,000 in the pot. Casual 100-something big blinds. Is that right? No, casual 200-something big blinds. Um, so anyway, what should the tens do at this point? I think this is probably the time where you need to fold. Yeah, you block the straight, but it's very easy for George to just be going for thin value with a king, or maybe he's just betting it with a queen. I don't think he's going to blast like this with a queen. I do think his range is going to be somewhat polarized. And the problem is, is that... There aren't a ton of obvious bluffs. There is the flush draw, the club flush draw, I suppose, assuming the graphics are right. So that exists. But I think the tens is probably a fold once he does put in the 5,000 river bet. And the thing is, is like, even against a player who's just playing absolutely maniacal, again, this action's incorrect, it went uh, 1,500 call on the turn. Even though he's absolutely maniacal, he is still going to have the, the best hands, right? So you can't just think that this is an easy call because he can have the 5-2 the offsuit again. Now, it seems like Zach may actually be very good at table talk because somehow he has gotten George to show a card and George shows the ace of clubs. And this is really what I want to talk about in this hand. I know we're a little bit far into this video already. But at this point, when someone shows you a card that is a card that seems to be not a great card, right? Here, ace high is clearly not good, right? When someone shows you that, they are almost always trying to get you to call. This is a like first level play that some people will make where they're trying to show you, I have the ace, best I can have is one pair, but in reality, they usually have something very good. So what is actually very good on king, queen, four, four, nine, including the ace of clubs? Well, obviously, he could have the busted club draw. That is possible. But he could also have ace-four 
And you could also have ace-king. And both of those are highly likely. He would three-bet the ace-four preflop, obviously. He would three-bet ace-king preflop. He'd bet both those on the flop. He would bet both those on the turn. He would blast both those on the river, I think. He'd also have aces, right? Aces is possible as well. Again, just because he's a maniac doesn't mean he doesn't get to wake up with good hands. So eventually what happens here, I'm not going to make you all sit through it. Zach thinks and thinks and thinks and eventually folds. And I think this is a good fold. Um, when, If you can ever get people to show a card, it's probably an indication that they are trying to induce you to call. Because why would they show you a card? If you're going to Basically, you're going to fold naturally, right? Presumably, you're going to fold normally. Showing you a card, giving you additional information, weakening your hand in your opponent's eyes. Take a look at that, by the way. I didn't see that when I watched this initially. Um, weakening your range in your opponent's eyes is almost always you actually with a concealed nut hand. So what just happened here? Sorry for everyone who's listening to this, but uh, we have ac legitimate live poker going on. If you're, you can watch this on jonathanlowpoker.com slash WPH or on youtube.com slash pokercoaching. George just took his stack of $5,000 and slid it in front of Zach as if, here, it's yours. You got it. He's never bluffing here. I mean, I, I can see the cards. I know it's, it's, it's cheating to be able to see the cards here, but I th we have a, two, comp two things here that just look incredibly, incredibly strong to me. We have the one... Showing of the ace of clubs, a you know normal busted draw hand, and then we also have the sliding of the stack over. Here, take it; it's yours. That money is not his at all. I actually think that Zach, if George just sat here and did nothing, I definitely think that Zach would have at least considered a call. But instead, this um, live play has gone on, and I think this is going to allow Zach to make a fold against a normally absolutely maniacal player and uh, and he does end up folding after a very long time he's probably thinking like what in the world is happening here why would this guy show me a card and then take his five thousand dollars and put it in front of my stack this doesn't make sense now sometimes when things don't make sense it means they're bluffs but from maniacs it's the opposite when things don't make sense it's usually the opposite it's usually the nuts because more often than not they have bluffs right so i don't know how much longer he's going to tank but he does tank for a very long time we're not going to make you sit through it he does fold, and I think it is a good fold when those things happen. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Hope you've enjoyed these 300 episodes. If you have a particularly favorite episode, let me know in the comments section below. There he goes. He finally finds the fold. George thinks, man, brutal. That 5000 could have been yours. But uh, no, 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 right there. Zach was never winning that pot. All right. Good luck in your games. Have fun. I'll be back for episode 301. Who am I kidding? There aren't a whole lot of, cons of constants in poker, but um, it seems like Jonathan Lowe is one of the constants. All right. Have a great time. I will talk to you next week.